3: well we may be doomed yep the democrats are now officially the party of useful idiots they may not be communist sympathizers yet but they are definitely socialist sympathizers which means they're on their way there's a new poll out done by fox news taken this week And it shows that more Democrats favor socialism over capitalism. It's actually kind of terrifying. Uh, 59% of the registered Democrats, 59% of the registered Democrat voters who were polled have a positive view of socialism. And just 49% have a favorable view of capitalism. And you wonder how many of those uh, people who have an unfavorable view of capitalism live in Malibu or on Martha's Vineyard and have uh, been kind of successful because of capitalism. Anyway, uh, how many of the socialist sympathizers do you think have ever been to Cuba or Venezuela or spent any time in the Soviet Union? Oh, wait, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, who has uh, led the socialist movement in the Democratic Party, and he's the reason, maybe the main reason why it's going this way. He went to the Soviet Union on his honeymoon. Now, how many people do you know who did that? He's also, of course, praised Fidel Castro. So that's who they're following right now uh, in big numbers. It's a big change in the poll from February 2020. Back then, 50% of the Democrats said they had a favorable view of capitalism, and only 40% said they liked socialism. That's a year ago, 40%. Now it's up to 59%. And in case you were wondering if Republicans are smarter than Democrats, they are because 67% of the Republicans had a favorable view of capitalism and 8% liked socialism. Now, would you like to talk to the 8% who call themselves Republicans and also say they like socialism? That's a pretty scary prospect. Well, Bernie Sanders is the guy who was out there pushing the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill that he says will give the federal government more influence than it had since FDR was trying to turn the U.S. into a socialist country 75 years ago. He did a nice job of laying the groundwork FDR did uh, for idiots like Bernie and Sandy Cortez, didn't he? So most of the Democratic Party is on board with stealing money from the rich and free stuff for everybody else. Which means most of the Democrat Party is stupid and shouldn't be allowed anywhere near our federal government. But that's where they are right now. They're in charge. And history makes it clear that if these idiots maintain power long enough to uh, turn the United States into a socialist country, we are all doomed. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to take a look at government power and how masks, masks, are a sign of it having run amok. We'll talk to an expert on statistics A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 83121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at Pittsburgh.com. That's Pittsburgh.com.
4: Have you heard rodents are taking over. According to various news articles, recent COVID-19 related disruptions have caused abnormal behaviour in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with Plug-In Pest Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free. Go pestfree.com, promo code PEN. Don't sprain regret, plug in and forget.
3: The pandemic has been tough on everyone, but imagine living in a country where food, clean water, and basic services are hard to come by, even in the best of times. That's the daily reality for poor families throughout Latin America and the Caribbean, where COVID has been absolutely devastating, especially for children. But right now, during our annual Food for the Poor campaign, a small business like yours can make an immediate, lasting impact. And there's something in it for you. When you make a tax-deductible gift of $1,200 at theanswerpgh.com, you'll not only help Food for the Poor feed 30 children for six months, we'll give your business 40 60-second commercials to run on this station Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. at no additional charge. Just click the red banner at TheAnswerPGH.com to make your donation, and we'll be in touch. Do it today, and thank you for your support. That's TheAnswerPGH.com slash Food for the Poor. TheAnswerPGH.com slash Food for the Poor.
1: So when we brought him home, we didn't realize that Bear the Rescue Dog was actually sick. He had very flaky skin. He was dropping a lot of fur, and LeVette wanted to do steroid injections, special dog food. Nothing seemed to work. So, I was at a dead end.
5: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
1: I've been hearing Dinovite on the radio for years. It never actually crossed my mind to try it until it finally sunk in. Oh, you're talking about hair and skin. And, all right. (laughs) I'll try it. Well, it took probably six weeks, but after we started using Dynavite, no more flaky skin, He doesn't scratch and itch, and we started to put weight on.
6: Dynavite is nutrition.
1: I wish that we would have started the Dynavite right away. It would have been so much easier. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. Every rescue dog in America deserves Dynavite for 90 days.
5: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
0: This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer.
3: I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that it's only a matter of time before we're told that we have to be masked up in uh, public places again. It's coming. Because the idiots who are in charge of our health are really set on making the kids wear masks in school. And I just can't imagine uh, kids going to school or seeing schools open without masks. I just think it's coming. Anyway, even though there's plenty of evidence out there that the masks are a waste of everybody's time. Uh, Jeffrey H. Anderson is a stats guy. He was director of the Bureau of Justice Statistics from 2017 until 2021. He has the numbers to show that they're a waste of time, I think. He joins us now. Jeff, thanks for being here.
7: Thanks, John, good to be on. So uh, this can get pretty
3: technical, so um, let's try to keep it simple enough for people who flunked math, uh, like me, <laughs> to, to understand it. Uh, let's start with what is an RCT?
7: <laughs> That's a randomized controlled trial, um, which is pretty much like it sounds. You randomly put people in one group, like a group that wears masks, and then, or in another group that doesn't wear masks, and you see how it comes out, See if one group fares better than another.
3: Okay, but that's important in this discussion because uh, in your piece at City Journal, you, you talk a lot about RCTs. And uh, so, if they're coming up with policy decisions based on studies that were not RCTs but uh, observational studies, do they deserve our attention, or do they, or should we at least be skeptical if it's not an RCT?
7: Well, I think we should be quite skeptical. The the CDC is basing its mask policy on these observational studies that are more like sociology. You just observe what's going on in society and they're, they're not anywhere near as accurate generally as randomized control trials. The randomized control trials or RCTs are, are considered to be the gold standard in medical research, universally understood to be so. And it's because you can isolate a variable. You can Again, you can tell is this one thing influencing something else is wearing a mask, causing someone not to get COVID-19. The, uh, the observational studies don't have any kind of control group. They, don't, they can't isolate a variable. They're much more apt to be politicized and, to, uh, and for people to be able to just find what they want to be able to find. And the CDC has, has found what they want to find in observational studies while ignoring the much more authoritative gold standard randomized control trials,
3: and why would they do that? I mean, the CDC—I always, uh, for a long time, I considered that a pretty reputable organization, uh, a, a, a part of the government that we sh- we could trust. Um, although the aid, they kind of screwed up the age thing. But anyway, why would why would a, an organization um, like the CDC be? purposely ignoring the best kind of studies when dealing with telling people how to change their lives to the degree to which we are being asked to do that?
7: I think public health officials love public health interventions. They're just naturally inclined to favor them, to want them. If you go back to uh, early last year, around March, the CDC was saying, don't wear masks and then i think they wanted to be seen as doing something and and i think they saw an opportunity to get people to do something that americans would never normally do which is to wear masks around all the time and so they went for it even though there was no real change in evidence whatsoever and the long-standing evidence suggested that masks did little to nothing to help uh, stop the spread of viruses and might even be counterproductive but i think they wanted to be seen as doing something they Again, this is their line of work they They live to have public health interventions and um, they 're not exactly uh, impartial, disinterested pursuers of scientific truth. They have an agenda like most people and, and if you fast forward a bit, I mean look at the incredible amount of power that the CDC has acquired through these mask uh, mandates, the mask guidance, uh, no matter how well intentioned they may be and how much they may have convince themselves masks work despite the best evidence uh that suggests there's not much support for that yeah you know, who's not influenced by the desire to wield such power as they are wielding now
3: yeah that's interesting you say that jeff because um as i've been watching dr fauci uh over these past uh, 18 months or whatever it is and that gets longer than that now um I get the feeling, and I know this isn't part of your piece, or maybe shouldn't be even be part of our discussion. But it's just since you brought it up, it it, it, it it it's something that I've been thinking about. I just get the feeling that Doctor Fauci, he he's never been happier uh, because he's he's been put in a position of uh, of imposing his feelings about viruses on everybody on the planet, and he, he's a guy who has spent his entire life focused on viruses. And he's now been put in a position where everybody is turning to him for advice, and I get the feeling that he loves it, and it's uh, and it's he's been carried away by it.
7: And <laughs> I, I I think there's plenty of people who probably share that view, John. I mean, I certainly get the impression that uh, Fauci considers this sort of uh, the the golden age of his career. He's uh, he's very much in demand on television, and what have you, and uh, um, you know, his his publicity is. Is starting to match his uh, his salary, which is uh, right. you know the highest of any federal employee.
3: Uh, in your piece at City Journal, and we're talking to uh, Jeffrey H. Edwards, you can find the piece at City-Journal. Uh, d- I'm sorry. Anderson. C- I'm sorry. C- <laughs> Jeffrey Anderson. Sorry about that, Jeff. Um, That's right. Uh, at City Journal, you quote the World Health Organization, and again, it's at city dot, uh, city-journal.org. You quote the World Health Organization as saying, quote, there is no specific evidence that the wearing of masks by the mass population has any particular benefit. Now, you mentioned that they, they get that stuff from the observational study but what specific evidence can they cite or do they even try to cite that uh, that that justifies changing their mind
7: well that that was what they were saying early on and yeah. and now you know most of the health authorities have, have uh warmed up substantially and are now you know to the idea of masks and are now basically just mask enthusiasts but um but really i think the important point for your listeners that understand it, is there's been no real change in evidence. I mean, the one thing that has come about since that time that's uh, most noteworthy is there was there's been one randomized control trial of COVID-19 specifically. It was in Denmark, and it found that the people randomly put into a mask group, 2% of them over a month got COVID, and the people randomly put in a group that didn't wear masks, well, 2% of them got COVID over a month, 2% in each group. No statistically significant difference between the two groups. And, uh, but, you know, the CDC and, and the other health agencies uh, worldwide are, are ignoring this, this randomized control trial that uh, seems to once again show that masks are um, there's little support for the notion that they really do much of anything um, and, you know, because it doesn't support the, the, uh, the policies that they've put in place. Um, I think these, poli- these policies are horribly uh, damaging our society. I think too. I mean, I, if I can put in a plug for one other piece I've written recently yeah. at the Claremont Review of Books called "The Masking of America." Mm-hmm. There, I go through the high cost that society pays for for putting on masks. So it's not just that they that there's not much evidence that they work, that the science behind them is extremely weak, but also that we're just we're paying an enormous cost as a society for for doing this, and especially pay a high cost, uh, or kids are paying a very high cost.
3: Well, there, there are examples uh, throughout history of, of studies that were flawed that may have influenced the um, actions of a certain amount of people, uh, some large groups, some small, but has there ever been a, a study as flawed that has adversely affected so many people as the, as the one that I guess not just one study, but studies that have uh, affected so many people in so many ways as what the CDC is putting out there.
7: Well, I do think, I think one thing that's changed compared to other times in history is we put so much more power and trust in these public health officials. I mean, we in, in earlier decades, um, Americans didn't just uh, run around waiting for the CDC to uh, to proclaim what it was going to proclaim. I mean, it didn't even exist in these in some of our past pandemics which incidentally were were often much much more severe than than this one um you know the the spanish flu of 1918 was uh, an american in 1918 was more than a if if an american was under 40 years old he or she was more than a hundred times as likely to die of the spanish flu than an american under 40 has been to die of covid-19 but we didn't have these public health authorities calling all the shots making these decisions so there's a lot more opportunity now for, um, for the cherry-picking of, of, of research to, to have adverse effects. I mean, we, we used to trust our elected legislatures, our representative legislatures, to make yeah. decisions on this kind of stuff and have, have the uh, so-called experts offer advice and counsel. Now, now we've got the legislatures are basically AWOL during this uh, COVID period, and, and we've got the, these public health officials basically acting like legislators.
3: Could you run those numbers by us one more time about the Spanish flu and the comparison to COVID? That's pretty amazing.
7: Yeah, an American under the age of forty was more than a hundred times as likely to die of the Spanish flu in nineteen eighteen as of COVID nineteen in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty
3: one. And what's the what was the what was the government's reaction to the Spanish flu compared to what's going on now? I mean I don't remember seeing pictures of people sitting at baseball games in 1918 wearing masks.
7: <laughs> no, I mean I think there was some mask wearing in 1918, but it was you know they didn't close down society as much as this time or for as long. There was still a World Series in 1918. It was it was moved up a bit, but that was because of World War One, and uh, the college football season, which happened right in the middle of it, was was played more or less as normal. Um, you know and again this is that was a pandemic that was wiping out people in their 20s and 30s and leaving orphans in its wake it was it was the real deal the covid-19 makes the spanish flu look like the black death of medieval europe and now with this comparatively um, you know this disease that has nowhere near the you know the carnage left in its wake i mean covid has clearly been very rough on on certain uh, older heavier people with pre-existing conditions but for most people, it's just not that big a deal. And uh, and yet Americans are acting like we're facing the Black Plague or something like that, and we're just desperately uh, looking to these public health officials for advice on doing anything, even if there's no real evidence that it, that it helps us.
3: One of the studies in your piece at uh, City Journal, uh, and there were so many of them, and we just don't have time to get into them specifically here, but the one that... Uh, one of the quotes, and I think you'll recognize it, uh, that I liked was, "quote for mask mandates, we see no reduction, zero point zero percent." That's reduction in people being infected. That seems pretty definitive. Why don't we go with that? Why? Why is it? Why wouldn't people like to jump on that and say, "Well, that that looks like it makes sense"?
7: Yeah, I mean that's one of the. That's actually an observational study, but it's one that looks yeah. more impressive, and it's one that the CDC is is ignoring as well. I mean, they're kind of cherry picking among the observational studies, while totally ignoring the gold standard randomized control trials. I mean, uh, totally ignoring, except that they're taking shots at a, at a couple of the randomized control trials that really contradict their advice. Um, yeah, I mean, it, and another, another good one is the one that shows that cloth, uh, even though there's, all, there's little to no evidence that surgical masks, the, the regular medical masks, um, stop the spread of viruses. Um, there's further evidence, statistically significant evidence, that cloth masks are even worse than the than the surgical masks. So, um, however, however you know, whatever little benefit we get from those masks that are the disposable ones, the the cloth ones are probably even worse.
3: And is COVID nineteen the first virus that that these experts have decided can be stopped by a mask? Going back, to, you know, previous studies. Uh,
7: I think pretty much, yeah. I I mean, you know, the randomized control trials have been um, mostly in effect for the last... Most of these trials that I'm I'm citing, they're really... They've all been done in the last 15 years or so. These were not something that people had access to in the past. So, really, there's even less excuse for imposing a mask mandate now than there would have been before these trials were done. Um, If somebody had done so in the 1970s or something, it would have made more sense. But nobody... Um nobody thought to do any such thing like that then. I, I just find it amazing that, like, you you walk around, you see children outside on 90-degree days playing sports with masks on their face. It, it's, it's insane. I mean, it's insane. 99.9% of the deaths from COVID have been of adults. More more than 99.9%. 99.94% of the deaths have been of adults. And yet we've, we're subjecting children to this and, and pretending – that we don't gain anything in human interaction from seeing each other's faces and seeing expressions and especially children so rely on that I and mean, even uh, charles darwin of all people wrote, wrote a whole book on the importance of of expressions and how human facial expressions were a key aspect of our development so uh, i guess we're regressing now as we as we hide our faces and you know look like a bunch of uh, faceless stormtroopers
3: we're talking to Jeffrey H. Anderson. Uh, you can read his piece at uh, city-journal.org, and it's uh, very detailed, and we're trying to get to some of the highlights of it here. We have a couple minutes left, uh, Jeff. Um, what is uh, w- What about the study in Denmark? I remember talking about that uh, several months ago, maybe a, more than a year ago. Uh, it looked like it made a lot of sense to me, and that was basically ignored by everybody. I'm Not everybody, but everybody in America and in the media anyway
7: yeah initially it, it actually had trouble getting um, published amazingly I mean can, can, think about that We're, this is the first randomized control trial, the gold standard in research done in covid nineteen you'd think everybody would be on the edge of their seat looking to see these results publish this this study, but no uh, a couple of journals apparently passed on it, and then finally one was brave enough to publish it and uh and one doctor was characterizing the response to that. And, and he said uh, that, that even though the study is thoughtful, useful, well done, you know, exactly what we need, he said, quote, some have turned to social media to ask why a trial that may diminish enthusiasm for masks and may be misinterpreted was published in a top medical journal, unquote. So in other words, I mean, people are going on social media and saying, oh, we shouldn't publish something like this, a gold standard trial, because... It says what we don't want it to say. It's really, it's it's pretty amazing.
3: Got about a minute left, uh, and I'm up against a hard break. Jeff, Uh, eleven of the fourteen RCTs around the world suggest that masks are either useless or actually counterproductive. Why do people like Doctor Fauci continue to ignore these RCTs, and and, or is it the media letting them get away with it?
7: Well, you you know, you talked a little bit about Fauci's personal motives. i won 't try to speculate any more about that, but I do yeah. think that the, I do think it 's important to recognize public health officials naturally love public health interventions and they 're not mm-hmm. this, you know they're not <laughs> they 're not so unbiased you know we need people to actually weigh this evidence for themselves and and come to conclusions and uh, and, the, and the best evidence is that Masks probably do little to no good and may be counterproductive and and may be counterproductive because people touch the masks and they touch their eyes. They touch other things. And that can actually perhaps be worse than than just letting the, the virus dissipate in the air.
3: And which, of course, makes it insane to expect a six year old kid to wear one and wear it the right way. Um, absolutely which is coming hey hey jeff i really appreciate you being on thanks and people can find the piece at uh city-journal.org jeffrey h anderson thank you thank you john okay we'll be right back
0: with srn news i'm john scott Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked if COVID-19 vaccine booster shots are inevitable. No vaccine, at least not within this category, is going to have an indefinite amount of protection. So in answer to your question, it's right. Inevitably, there will be a time when we'll have to give boost. Fauci on NBC's News Today show. He says an additional COVID-19 booster shot will be recommended for previously vaccinated people with weakened immune systems. Inflation at the wholesale level jumped at a higher than expected 1% in July. The Labor Department reporting the July gain in its producer price index, which measures price pressures before they reach consumers, matched the June increase, with both months advancing by the highest amount since a 1.2 rise. That came back in January. This is SRN News. Let's be boring and do
7: a commercial about cash-out refinances. It's Ryan, and our mortgage team will often have a listener say, I think I understand what a cash-out refinance is, but can't that be bad for you sometimes? So let's hit on that. As with anything, it's certainly not the right move for everyone. If we don't have to, we don't want to add a bunch of years onto our loan or increase our monthly payment too much or pay more in the long run. But because home values have skyrocketed so far up the last few years while rates have come so far down, we've seen many scenarios where listeners today can pull out a significant chunk of money from the new value in their home while lowering the years on the overall loan, while lowering their monthly payment, and lowering how much they ultimately pay. The key is to just look at the whole picture and be honest with yourself about your situation. If you're looking for someone to show you your options, we our United Faith Mortgage.
1: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. Twenty Five Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licens mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animals, consumer Access dot org. Corporate animalist number thirteen thirty. Equal housing lender. I license Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah.
0: Okay, we admit it. Pittsburgh is famous for steel, but what about all the other things we're famous for? Take nineteen eighty when we invented the emoticon. How's that for a smiling face? And the terrible towel. Come on, who else can turn a common household item into a sports icon? The Big Mac. Yeah. That was us in 1967. See, we figured if we like it, so will America. And boy, were we right. You get it. We get it. at this station gets you. AM 1250, the answer.
2: Is it time to push reset and get away with God? Christian travel creates purposeful pauses to discover the most scenic, sought-after destinations while you immerse yourself in the wonder of God's creation. As you travel alongside the world's top Christian leaders, every step of the way will revive your faith and awaken your sense of wonder. Imagine morning devotions on the deck of a cruise ship as you pass towering Alaska glaciers or tropical Caribbean islands. Perhaps you're longing to set foot in the very places where Jesus walked and taught in Israel. Every day on a Christian cruise or tour brings you the new vistas while you enjoy uplifting music and powerful messages. Get away with God in a faith-focused journey, and the unforgettable memories you create will refresh you long after you return home. For more information, visit InspirationCruises.com or call 800-247-1899. That's InspirationCruises.com or call 800-247-1899. Water damage to your home or business? Don't know what to do next? At Servicemaster of Greater Pittsburgh, we do. Demand the yellow van.
0: The man, the yellow van, call Service master Has your
2: home or business been damaged by fire, water, or storm? Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. The
0: man, the yellow van, call Service Master. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh. W223CS, Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or radio.com stuck in traffic we've got the answer
8: Look out for a big backup on northbound 79, jammed up South Point Boulevard up to Bridgeville. That's a crash in the left lane. Your delay could be up to 20 minutes. Southbound side construction between 19 and Cranberry, scheduled through 8 p.m. Saturday. Really heavy on the Parkway east outbound, stacking up Boulevard of the Allies up to Edgewood-Swissvale. Parkway west, busy inbound Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
0: AM 1250, the answer, weather. Heat advisory remains in effect through this evening. For tonight, a strong thunderstorm in the area for the evening hours. Otherwise, mostly cloudy skies, warm and humid. We'll see a low of 70. Watch for a severe thunderstorm tomorrow afternoon. Otherwise, it'll be humid with times of clouds and sun. We'll see a high of 83. Saturday, more clouds than sunshine and a high of 77. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer.
3: And now for something completely different, which we like to do for here from time to time. How about a little show biz? For a long time, there was um, there was no live local music because I guess it's kind of hard to sing if you're wearing a mask. Um, last year, we told you about a concert at the Strand Theater in Zillian that was one of the first live concerts for local musicians during the COVID hysteria. They're back for more, not for more COVID hysteria, but for more music. <laughs> and uh, Carol Lee Espy of uh, Radio Free Espy is back to host it. Carol Lee, thanks for coming on. Who you got with you today?
9: Thanks for having us. Well, I have my husband, Tim DiSpirito, here. Okay. And Ron Carter from The Strand, and hopefully Pete Hewlett.
3: Okay. Yeah, I think Pete is, uh, is, has called in. We're going to have him on. So up hope to get okay. you all in here. But Wonderful. Uh, the show tomorrow night, Carol Lee. Uh, who's on the bill? Yes.
9: So uh, we have myself, we have Jim DeSpirito, John Berg on keyboards, Pete Hewlett, uh, Kurt Erickson, who is the longtime bass player of Corbin Hanner Band, and his daughter Jessie Sutton, who is an incredible vocalist and singer too. So it's a pretty, it's a full boat.
3: That's good. Um, and it's you're, you're calling it a songwriters' circle. Uh, any new right. songs going to be introduced there?
9: Yeah, we do have some new songs coming in too, and we're I'm, we're just very excited about. it. I guess Jesse's getting ready to record an EP right now, so she'll have all new songs that people have never heard. And so we're very excited about it. Yeah.
3: And uh, Jim, uh, what's what's your contribution here? I know you're a percussionist, uh, and you yes. what, what what are you playing for everybody, or are you playing? For, you're going to do any solos, or what's the deal there?
1: Nah, I'm just going to get in everybody's way. Maybe add a little
3: support. Yeah, <laughs> I'll,
0: yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll be uh, mindful of everyone's songs and try to jump in there and contribute.
3: Now, what kind of music are we talking about, uh, guys? Um, uh, is it mostly uh, acoustic or is there is it electric or both or what?
9: I think it's, it's pretty much acoustic, but we have pianos and and guitars up there, um, and it ranges anywhere from. You know, uh, alternative country to uh, Beatles songs. To in fact, we're doing we're going to do a round of songs we wish we wrote.
3: So will <laughs> be <Yeah>. it'll
9: that'll <laughs> yeah. that'll yeah. really run the gamut. There are a lot of and songs of course, Pete, out there
3: I wish I wrote.
9: Yeah, <laughs> so, and Pete Hewlett, of course, was in an '80s band. Yeah. So you know, that's kind of like he had like an 80 new wave song called "Tattoo" with Novo Combo.
3: Hmm.
9: Well, and, to, uh, ba- go ahead. I'm just wondering, is he on now? He could talk yeah,
6: about it. Yeah, yes. Pete, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I I did show up. No good, John. How are you? Good, good. Listen, uh, <laughs> you,
3: you actually sang with Paul McCartney, and I'm just wondering if there's any chance he's going to show up, because that might sell a couple of tickets.
6: <laughs> you know what? I left a message, and I haven't heard back from him yet, so I'm not sure. Well, see, if you were
3: smart, I think Pete, he'd... you would have lied and said, you know, there's a chance he might show up. Just think of that. that. <laughs>
6: That's what I meant. That's, That's what, what I, I meant,
4: meant. A chance.
9: <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. you, you, you could have told him. You could have told him it would be great exposure.
3: Right. Right. Yeah. And he's never played at a venue like the Strand Theater, right? He, I there guarantee he has not played the Strand. No, but I, but um, uh, Pete, I got to ask you. I mean, I haven't talked to too many people who sang with Paul McCartney. I have to say, uh, describe how, what? How did? When did that? Uh, how did that happen? That you sang with Paul McCartney.
6: Well, uh, years ago in uh, 1980s AD, um, I worked with Billy Joel for a number of years, and uh, I was with Billy for five years and hadn't worked with him for, gee, almost uh, 19 years, and uh, he was doing the last play at Shea, at Shea Stadium, and he gave me a call to see if I be interested in uh, performing for those concert, And, of course, I had to think about it, yeah. <laughs> at least for <laughs> 10 seconds. Yeah. So. But, um, yeah, he invited me to, to do the show, and it was uh, star-studded. I mean, there was everybody there, Garth Brooks, Tony Bennett, um, Steven Tyler, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, yeah. Roger Daltrey, just a ton of people who come up and did uh, cameo spots. It was absolutely fantastic. And then we actually did two shows um, – the second night, uh, Billy was actually up there getting ready to do his encore, uh piano man, and, uh, word came in that Paul had flown over from London to, uh, he, he got there right at the very end. So he just showed did, up? Uh, I saw her standing there and let it be. Yeah, he showed up. It was...
3: But I mean, he just walked in was, and said, hey, I'm here, uh, you, you got a minute, I'd like to, you know, do a tune or two?
6: Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> I remember I was off the side of the stage talking to one of the road crew, and he, he came up and he said, uh... He just showed up. I said, McCartney? He said, yeah. I said, whoa. And uh, Paul, we were, we were set up kind of in the uh, the Mets dressing, dressing room area for uh, offstage. Here he came walking through the door, and uh, yeah, it was like, you know, I looked at him. He came over, and it was like somebody I hadn't seen that I went to school with, you know, and I hadn't seen in years. And it was just, uh, it, was, it was fantastic. And what it really s- was.
3: what song did you do?
6: We did, I saw her standing there, and then uh, he did Let It Be. So oh. on both of those. Wow.
3: Did you, and, and, um, and was the audience not expecting that either? That had to be a big deal to have him walk out.
6: It was. The word was out that he was possibly going to show up. I think it was on the radio they kind of put it out there uh, that he might be there for the first show. So a lot of those people that had tickets for that show were a bit disappointed. But, you know, it was going around through the crowd. And when he walked out, it was just, uh, geez, it was probably the loudest I've ever heard a, uh, you know, a crowd... Being on stage, performing, you know, in front of that many people is just like,
3: wow, uh,
6: just incredible.
3: Any one of you want to jump in and just uh, kind of, for people who aren't familiar with the Strand Theater, because it's an interesting venue, tell us about that, whoever wants to jump in. Well, Ron
9: can tell you that.
3: Okay. And I'll I'll set
9: Ron up. One thing that's special about it is how intimate the, the space is. And it's a perfect place to do this kind of, you know, intimate acoustic
0: performance. I'll let Ron take it from there.
10: Well, Jim, you just pretty much stole my thunder for sure because I was just <laughs> going to say that uh, the, the Strand is a perfect space for an acoustic-style event like this. Mm-hmm. It's cool to have Pete come in and do an, an acoustic show because he's been at the Strand several times with the Hewlett-Anderson Band, done several sold-out shows there. But in this type of uh, an environment, it's going to be a lot of fun just to have that very intimate acoustic-style performance.
6: And the show is... Yeah, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was, was going to say, if I can add... Um, as Ron had mentioned, it's just one of my favorite places to play because it is intimate, it's very comfortable, and it's got a very um, uh, small room but roomy feel to it, if that makes sense. But yeah, uh, it's yeah. just a great venue, great venue.
3: Well, it's tomorrow night, uh, 730. Where can people get tickets?
10: The org, okay. Or just call us at 724-742-0400. That's too much work. Find your favorite internet provider and just type in the Strand Zilly, and you'll find us that way.
3: And
9: Pete, I, Pete, so you I thought we were but I wanted to make sure.
3: Uh, uh, you're breaking up there, Carolee. Um okay. I, it's not, I think we have a bad connection there. But I, I, let me just jump in with uh, Pete. I want to ask you, Pete. You won't be singing with a mask on, I'm guessing. Is that have you have you no. tri- have
6: you tried that yet? <laughs> I've been practicing with one just in case they change it and make it a mandate. Yeah. You know, we have to wear masks. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm planning on not. Yeah, it, it could
3: happen between now and the tomorrow. Well, hey, listen, everybody, good luck with this. Uh, and it's, it's great to see live music back. And it's just another sign that maybe we're returning to normal uh, existence here in the United States of America. <laughs> and you guys are going uh, yeah, to do that. I appreciate yeah. that. Very It'll be a pleasant surprise. All right. Well, good luck, and I hope everything goes well. <laughs> it's so tomorrow much, night, uh, August, uh, I'm sorry, Friday night, 730. And one more time, where, where can I get tickets?
10: Thestrandtheater.org.
3: Very good. Good luck, guys. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, John. All right. We'll, thanks. thanks very much. Thank you, and we'll be right back. You know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life, and he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft, breathable, but extremely durable, and Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors, and Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You'll receive a set for as low as forty nine ninety nine. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-716-8087. Use the promo code STAG. Go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code STAG.
5: Thanks, sweetie. So, wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.
1: Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of besthotgrill.com. Not only do we have great grills, but also the best hot patio heaters. We are the nationwide distributor for bromic radiant patio heaters. The very best patio heater that you can get. The bromic heaters use the same radiant burner technology as our Solar Infrared Grills, so they heat up fast and keep you warm so you can enjoy your backyard grill and outdoor living spaces into the night and all year round. Bromic heaters have stylish contemporary designs that fit perfectly in backyard and restaurant patios. We have gas and electric models to suit most installation needs and a portable gas heater that directs the heat where you want it, not the bushes and walls like the mushroom heaters. For top quality performance and aesthetics, you want Bromic Radiant Patio Heater and solar Infrared Grills. Learn about these amazing grills and heaters at besthotgrill.com. That's besthotgrill.com, besthotgrill.com.
0: This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer.
3: Well, you know, we have our own problems with COVID-19 in our country, but conditions are much worse in other parts of the world, specifically Latin America and the Caribbean. Kids are going hungry, and that's where Food for the Poor comes in and where you can make an immediate impact. Anitra Parmalee of Food for the Poor joins us now. Anitra, I want you to start, if you would, with telling us who Doña Amanda is.
8: Somebody who is on the other side of your generous gift. When you go to theanswerpgh.com, click on that red food banner and give a gift of $37. You are rescuing a child, providing two meals a day. John, I'm going to say that again because it's kind of extraordinary. Two meals a day for six months with your gift of $37. Doña Amanda lives in Nicaragua and she has taken over the care of her children because of a tragedy that hit her family. She works at the local landfill and to be honest, that is just a pleasant word for the dump. She is scrabbling for anything to feed her grandchildren. You change that despair, that darkness into hope and light when you give a gift. You give Doña Amanda... Peace and joy and a replacement for the fear for the future with your gift. $37 will feed one of her grandchildren for the next six months. John, that's until February of 2022. If you want to just make a note on your online calendar, how much good you're doing with your gift of $37.
3: Yeah, and uh, she's got five kids she's taking care of. So $185 will feed those five kids for six months.
8: Kind of incredible, huh? That we can, we can make a gift that's equivalent to a couple pennies a day. But literally, $37 provides six months of life-saving food. These are families, our team went into a a shack. It was a, a home, but, you know, it was about the size of the shed maybe that you have in your garden. And there was a mother there with two young children, maybe one, seven, one, nine, two little boys. And one was eating a handful of rice and the other one just kept staring at him. And through the interpreter, we asked, why aren't you eating? And the little boy replied, it's not my day to eat. Oh boy. That is how severe the food shortage is in these countries where we serve. Honduras, enduring two devastating hurricanes. We met Maria and I saw visually the definition of shell shocked. She had to escape the rising waters, leaving whatever small items she had for life behind. She grabbed her son. They managed to escape with their lives only to fear that because of a lack of food, an inability to go to the three jobs that she had that got her a couple dollars a day because of COVID and quarantine, she doesn't know where she's going to get food for tomorrow. You answer that with your gift $37 $37 providing six months of life-saving food to a child like Maria's when you go to the answer just click on that red give food banner and my question is how many children can you rescue right now
3: give us an idea of, of the kind of food that food for the poor will be uh, distributing to these kids and how you get it to
8: them. Well, the food baskets include all the non-perishables. So it's beans and rice, corn or corn flour, uh, cereal that's been fortified, sugar, cooking oil, even some hygienic items like soap and chlorine and a, a pamphlet on COVID-19 preventative measures because so many of these people are are isolated. They don't know what's going on. And John, we work with ministries on the ground, pastors and and missionaries on the ground in these communities who are able to, to geometric increase our impact. So as unique as the situation is to a community, to a country, that's how unique their delivery is. Because obviously we're not able to do the mass feeding programs that we're accustomed to. So pastors are throwing food baskets in the back of their pickups. They're they're filling kayaks with food baskets and floating into flooded areas that have been out of reach. They're using burrows and four-wheel drives. But rest assured, Our community partners are committed to taking your generous gift, translating it into life-saving food, and then getting it to those most in need.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing about uh, food for the poor, that when people give, they can be confident that the money they give is going directly to the people they're giving it to. uh, And it's going to turn into food for them.
8: You are exactly right. We take it so seriously. Our integrity is without question. You can always head over to foodforthepoor.org, get any of your questions answered. But let me tell you, I have stood in front of mothers who have expressed with tears flowing down their face the difference that a gift like yours has made. I've been a part of a food distribution. I've been a part of areas that intervene with mothers whose children are on the edge because of malnutrition. I have seen the results of gifts like yours and I can attest with everything that's within me that your gift is getting to the people that need it most and it is making a lifetime of difference for them. Imagine Who will the children you rescue become? Are they community leaders? Are they pastors? Are they fathers and mothers? That is yet to unfold as part of the story on the other end of your gift. When you head over to TheAnswerPGH.com and make your gift by clicking the Give Food banner right there. Again, the numbers are easy. $37 provides six months of life-saving food for a child. How many children can you rescue?
3: Yeah, and uh, I'll give you the other ones real quick. $185 for five kids. $370 will feed 10 kids for six months. And they will get the food if you give the money. So, uh, Anitra, I really appreciate you being with us, and good luck with the campaign this year.
8: Oh, oh thank you so much for your Anit- partnership. Anit- You're changing the world.
3: Anitra, one more time with the phone number on the website.
8: 866-922-HOPE. So it's 866 922 four six seven three or you can always head over to the answer pgh.com and just click on that red give food banner and change the life of a child
3: anitra thank you good luck okay we hope you uh take the time to make the call and uh, contribute to food for the poor as we told you the great thing about it is that the uh, money that you contribute uh turns into food for these kids and and uh so you, you have the numbers, and I hope you I hope you take part in it. Uh, meanwhile, I have a couple minutes left. I wanted to mention we've been talking about the story about uh, what's happening at Pitt, which could be infanticide going on over there. Uh, this still, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but I, I as I've told you, I I can't. Uh, subject myself to watching local tv news very much so i, I can't be 100 percent sure that they haven't touched the story but i'm pretty sure that no local media has done anything on this yet and according to a fox uh, news report uh, multiple physicians have said pitts statements indicate fetuses could have been alive during the tissue collection that fed gut map research something the university vehemently design, denies. We've told you about this uh, multiple times. But now, uh, according to Dr. Ronna Juro, an OBGYN who previously worked at Planned Parenthood and describes herself as pro-choice, she told Fox News today that, quote, there's no question the fetus would be alive during tissue collection. Juro hasn't worked at Pitt but was basing her comments on what Pitt told NIH, Uh, uh, and, and other statements made to Fox News, the baby's going to have to be either born alive or be killed immediately prior to delivery, according to Dr. Kathy Altman, an OBGYN who previously performed abortions but later came to oppose the procedure. And then there's Dr. Christina Francis who chairs the American Association of Pro-Life Gynecologists. She told Fox News she agrees with David Daleiden, uh, the the guy who's uh, pushing this and has uh, discovered it, if it says ischemia time, that's that has to do with the blood flow to the to the uh, tissue. If a ischemia time starts after tissue collection, that means that the baby is still alive at the time they're harvesting the tissue," she said, likening the practices to those of the infamous Kermit Gosnell. It's horrific and does not constitute good science or compassionate medical care," he said. If they're using a drug called di- digoxin. And it renders the tissue unusual if they're using that. So the only way to do it is to, to have the baby die before they, uh, uh, just before they um, do the tissue. That's, or still be alive when they're removing the tissue. Still no coverage from the media, nothing from the Diocese of Pittsburgh.
0: The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.